right now online. We love you. We're so glad that you're here via video. And uh, I just got, I, I got a quick praise the Lord before we jump into today's message. Is that all right? Okay, thank you for that. Thank you for that. Um, um, guys, today is the first day that we are using our ministry center across the street for ministry. Come on, somebody. Like, that's amazing. We're having our, our growth track in there uh, for the second service, and what a blessing that is. And doesn't it look so much better than it did? So, uh, man, it's just, it's just awesome, and we're already using it. So we're still finishing it, but we get a chance to use it today for the ministry. And so pump for everybody who's going to Growth Track, if you're here and you're going uh, to Growth Track, we'd love to have you. If you haven't decided to go to Growth Track, you can go to Growth Track, Second Service. We'd love to have you for that. Um, but I'm just super thankful, and I want to say thank you so much for everybody who's given your generosity is making all of it possible. So thank you so much. It's, um, it's really cool to see what God's doing. And uh, thanks for being uh, a part of it. Um, and I want to say this. We are in our third week of 21 days of fasting and prayer. Okay, so we have one week left. If you're in the journey, stay in it. Okay, turn to someone next to you. Stay, stay in it. Come on. Stay in it. You're almost there. You're almost there. And if you haven't jumped in yet, if you haven't participated in the 21 days of fasting and prayer, you can do that this week, all right? You can take just this week, jump in, join us, give up something so that you can pursue God. And I promise you this, God will meet you there. God will meet you there. He's doing stuff. He is on the move. He is, uh, he's moving in our lives. He's moving in our church. Uh, quick, another quick praise the Lord. Last week, we had over 20 people make decisions for Christ, which is amazing. Praise the Lord for that. And uh, that was talking about the genealogy, you know, from Matthew. So you know God's moving when people are getting saved, when you're talking about the genealogy. So anyways, love to have you uh, join us for this last week. And I'm so thankful for our church. I cannot wait. I really do believe this year is going to be a powerful, powerful year where God shows up in your life and God does amazing things in your family. And if you believe it, say, I do. Amen. Amen. Love that. Um, all right, well, today we're going to be talking about change, all right? So if you're taking notes, write that down. Just write change, just that idea of change. This is, this is the big idea today. We're going to be talking about change uh, because things are changing all the time, right? Things are changing all the time. Uh, Bob Dylan wrote a song back in 1963, and, and, and the word said, things, they are uh, things they are a changing. But man, could, I don't even think Bob Dylan could have known how, how fast and how different things would be today than, than in 1963. I mean, things are different. Things are different today. Uh, back when I was growing up, I mean, this is not that long ago, okay? I'm not that old. But when I was growing up, they had these, these things. You can only find them in museums today. You can only find them in museums today. There's this ancient scroll-like documents that you would unfold if you wanted to find how to get to a place. They were called maps. Anybody remember maps? I'm not talking about Google, I'm not talking about Apple. I'm talking about paper maps that you needed training in to be able to put back together. Like you, you, could, you could put your brain into a pretzel if you tried to just put that thing back together without some training and some explanation. Uh, yeah, and you'd have to chart your course. Do you remember this? Like you'd have to highlight where you were going, you know, and then there was MapQuest that like kind of listed it out. That was revolutionary. 
You know, you had your papers and, you know, you're just following the directions. Um, but you had to look at road signs back in the day. Like you had to, like now it's just mindless. Turn right. You know, like there's, you don't have to think at all. Uh, I mean, it's changed immensely. I was thinking about this. Um, do you remember phone books? Phone books. Like back in the day, you needed to know people's numbers. And you needed to find things. Now you just, of course, put in the Safari, Google it or whatever. Um, phone booths. Anybody remember phone booths? They've gone the way of the dinosaur. Anybody remember uh, cars that required gasoline to operate? Like, crazy. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Okay, here's another one. Dial-up internet. Anybody remember dial-up internet? Okay, AOL. Okay, see, some of you young people just do not appreciate what you have. <laughs> because back in the day, it took you two minutes just to get on the internet. <laughs> and that connection was very, very slow. I remember when five megabyte connection came out. Remember that? Five megs. Oh, yeah. I got five megs. <laughs> True story, AT&T. AT&T had fiber 24 megs. In Springfield. And I just remember being like, oh, what do you got? I'm 24. I'm rocking 24 megs. And then it was like, then it was, you know, Google Fiber came out. This is not that long ago. Google Fiber, uh, Fiber a gig up and down. And it was just like super, super fast, lightning fast. Now we can get that on our phones. It's crazy. Things, they are a changing and they're changing fast. So, the, so life is all about change. In fact, you know, it's been said the only thing constant in life is change, right? It's change. And so, so there's change that's happening. And then there's stuff that we'd like to change, right? There's things that we'd like to change. Like we'd like to uh, uh, look younger, lose weight, eat Eat better, exercise more. Anybody feel that sentiment? Just raise your hand if you, if you were to concur. Wow, there are a lot of people who didn't raise their hands for that. There are a lot of people who are saying, no, nah, I'm good. Just mailing it in. This is as good as it's ever going to get. I'm just happy to maintain. Then there's, then there's stuff we know we should change. So there's stuff we'd like to change, and then there's stuff we know we should change. Stop smoking, drink less alcohol, drink more water, avoid sugar. So there's, man, I need to change. And then, then there's deep stuff, like get angry less often, treat people better, think better thoughts. How do we change? Things are changing, but how do we change? And that's what I want to talk about uh, today. I want to look at this. We're going to be, we're going to be doing a two-part series. We're going to start today because really when you look at the book of Matthew, uh, chapters 3 and 4 are really about change. And, and so chapter 3 is all about change, and then chapter 4 is how to, is how to really apply that change and, and to live victorious in the midst of temptation. So this is really a two-part series, but I want, to give you, uh, I want to give you a thought today. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. The best bad news the best bad news. You need to change, but you can. It's the best bad news. You need to change, but you can. You can change. You can do it. 
And, and, and kind of to frame our thoughts around this idea, I want to talk about, uh, you know, you're getting ready to go on a trip. And you take your car in for an oil change. And all you're thinking is, man, hey, we're going to get some, you know, some tires filled up. We're going to make sure the oil's good to go. And you hear some of the worst words you could ever hear from your mechanic. You need a new transmission. Right? Like horrible. Like, have, I mean, it's just, and you're like, oh, man, this is going to be like, well, how much is this going to be? And how long is this going to take? And it's like, well, it's going to cost you five thousand dollars you're like ah you know this is so bad and you're like and how long does it take well we're gonna be able to get you in and you'll be good for your trip how many of you know that's like really really bad how many of you know it's really really bad when you're halfway in your trip and you find out that you need a transmission better to find out on the how many oh it's, it's really good bad news Okay, similar, like if, you know, the, the worst news that we can hear for our health so, for so many of us is you have cancer. You've got cancer. You hear from your doctor, like, you've got cancer. But it's followed up with, with, but there is a cure. They've got a cure for it. How many of you know it's bad news, but it's the best bad news? Because if you didn't know you had cancer, you were going to die sooner. But when someone tells you that you've got it and there's a cure, it's the best bad news. The best bad news I want to give you today is that you need to change. You need to change, but you can. Why don't you find someone next to you and say, you need to change. Come on, tell someone right next to you say, you need to change. Some of you have been waiting a long time to say that. You're welcome. But now turn to that person and say, but you can. But you can. You need to change. I need to change. We need to change. But we can. And that's what we're going to be looking at in Matthew chapter 3. We're going to be going through. Uh, we're in our, uh, the study of the book of Matthew. And, and Matthew is more than just an author of the Bible. So when we're reading this book, it's not just, it's not just somebody's take on Jesus. Matthew knows Jesus like knows him well, like watched him closely, had firsthand interactions with him. So he watches as Jesus begins his ministry. And, and more than just a firsthand experience, what Matthew has is life change by Jesus. And, and I, I, really, I really believe that's why this is so important for Matthew to include right at the beginning because as we talked about last week, he had sold out his soul to a different kingdom. He, he was living for Rome, is what he was doing. And so he, his allegiance was to Rome and not to his people. He had traded his people so he could make a buck. And, 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 and it, left him, it left him lacking. It, and, and this is what always happens when we sell our soul for things that aren't eternal. We give our, when we give ourselves to, to earthly pursuits, it always leaves us lacking, and that's what happens with Matthew. He's empty. He's got all of this money, and yet he's missing relationships, and he's missing communion with God, and, and there's something disconnected in his life, and Jesus shows up. And Jesus shows up at his tax collector's booth and, and says, come follow me, and changes everything about him. And now Matthew lives different. He lives for a different kingdom. And so what he's doing in his, in, his, in his book, in his gospel, is trying to get us to understand this kingdom, that it's not this kingdom, it's not here, it's there, and it is the real kingdom. 
And Jesus is the real king. And so he's wanting us to understand that. And so we start with Matthew chapter 3. And it's, it's, uh, it's, it's this great narrative of, of, of the gospel, of, of the one who comes before Jesus. And, and actually, before we jump into this, I'd actually like to jump to Malachi. So if you're in Matthew, if you're in your Bible, just scroll up to Malachi. It's the book right before Matthew. And, and I want to look at some of the last words in the Old Testament. I want to look at some of the last words in the Old Testament because what you have in Malachi is this prophecy about one who will come before Jesus, one who will show up first and begin to prepare the way for Jesus. And that's the narrative that we're going to come to in Matthew chapter 3. But let's jump in to uh, Malachi chapter 3. Uh, 400 years before Jesus is born is this book, Malachi. And Malachi is a prophet. He's prophesying about what the king will do when he shows up. And before he shows up, there's going to be this herald that comes. Uh, in, in that day, when a king would arrive to a place, they would send out a herald first. And the herald would go and he would announce the king, you know, prepare the way. The king is coming. You know, get everybody together. Like, hey, get ready. The king is coming. You want to come see him. You want to come interact with him. The king is coming. And a herald would go and prepare the road because the road was very, was very difficult. So he'd, he would patch up the road and make sure it was smooth for the king to come. And that's what Malachi chapter 3 says. Look in, in verse 1. I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. And so there's, there's this idea that there's a messenger coming. And what is it going to look like when he comes? Malachi chapter 4. Surely the day is coming. It will burn like a furnace. All the arrogant and every evildoer will, will be like stubble. And the day that is coming will be Set on fire, says the Lord Almighty. Not a root or a branch will be left to them. But for you who revere my name, check this out. This is, what, this, is what, this is the inheritance as believers we have. But for you who revere my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in its rays. And you will go out and frolic. Everybody say frolic. Frolic's a great word. It's a great word. Frolic like well-fed calves. Now, I'm not a farmer nor the son of a farmer. So I don't know what that's like. And so I could only imagine it, but thanks to Google, I don't have to imagine it. So I Googled this, and I, wanted, I thought we'd just take a moment and look at some, some well-fed calves frolicking. Let's go ahead and show this. Look at that, guys. That's what God is saying me and you are like, okay? Look, at, and the friends are there, and they're all having fun, and, and that's just, give it up for the calves that are frolicking. God is saying that that's what he wants for us. Literally, God wants you to frolic. He wants, he wants you to be so happy that you're just out in the yard just running around. And, of course, sin works against that. And so the Messiah is coming and bringing this online. And what will happen before the Messiah comes, skip to verse 5 in Malachi chapter 4. See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents. Come on, moms and dads. Doesn't this sound like revival? Kids just listening, gathering around, asking how they can help. <laughs> asking, is there anything else you needed, Dad? 
revival. This is what is coming online. It's the kingdom of heaven, and it's going to happen when the Messiah comes. And before the Messiah comes, there's going to be this guy who comes first. This is crazy. 400 years before Jesus comes, and this prophecy is very, very clear that there is going to be someone who comes first. So every Jewish person is looking forward to this. They're looking forward to this this one who will come first before the Messiah. 400 years, and there's nothing. No prophetic words. No gospels written. No, no, no prophecies. No, nothing is happening for 400 years. It's this divine dramatic pause. And then Christmas. Christmas shows up. Jesus shows up, and it's big. Shepherds, angels, magi. And then it goes quiet again until Matthew chapter 3, when John the Baptist comes on the scene and, and we get to see this one who comes before the one. And in, and in chapter 3, we get John the Baptist and Jesus showing up. And what it shows us is that change is possible and it's all because of Jesus. So if you're ready to jump in, I want to read Matthew chapter 3. We're going to look at the whole chapter. And I'm just going to tease out some conclusions or some observations as we go. And then we'll just have a few uh, conclusions at the end. And I hope we'll all walk away better as a result. If you're ready to jump in, say am. All right, Matthew chapter 3. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. He's saying God's coming. That kingdom that you that you remember prophesied about in Malachi, frolicking calves, that's, that's coming, and it's here. And it's the kingdom where God is going to rule your heart. See, that's the kingdom of heaven. When we talk about the kingdom of God, it's, it's, it's where God's rule reigns. It's where we follow God. It's where we pray. It's where we listen. It's where we draw near to God and where God leads us, and that is the real kingdom. It's the ultimate kingdom. And it's referring back to, I want to just uh, go back to Ezekiel for a moment before we finish this chapter and show you what this kingdom will look like when, when we experience it. Ezekiel chapter 36, the people are in exile when Ezekiel, so the people in, of Israel have been taken away to Babylon. And Ezekiel shows up and he says this, for I will take you out of the nations and I will gather you from the countries and bring you back into your own land. He's like, you've been in exile, you've been lost, but now you will be found. That's what he's saying. And I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. And I will cleanse you from all your impurities, from all your idols, and I will give you a new heart. Everybody say new heart. And put a new spirit in you, and I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And check this out, verse 27. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors. You will be my people, and I will be your God. He's saying that's where the kingdom comes online. And he's saying it's going to happen. When the Messiah comes, I'm going to give you a different heart. And then I'm going to give you the spirit living inside of you that helps you not only want to do different, but gives you the power to do different. Everybody say, that sounds pretty good. It sounds pretty good. Check this out. So the people are longing for this. You're longing for this. I'm longing for this. And John the Baptist says, 
It's here. When Jesus shows up, it's here. The ability to live different, the ability to not only want different, but live different is here. And, and, he, and the Matthew goes on to say, this is actually prophesied in uh, Isaiah 3, Isaiah, in verse 3, Matthew says this, this is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord and make straight paths for him. So Isaiah prophesies about this one who will come as well. And then he tells us a little bit about him. Verse 4, John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Everybody say, that's gross. I'll just talk about this for a moment, okay? Because, like, let's, you know, this is, dude was different. I'm just going to be straight up with you, okay? Dude was different. Um, I mean, this is not like a luxury item camel hair. Like, this is like raw camel hair in a basic leather belt, and he's out there kind of crazy-eyed. Eating locusts and honey. That's John the Baptist, all right? And, and this is not like a Daniel fast type of thing. Do not do this diet, okay? There's no, like, biblical support for a locust and honey diet, all right? I just want to make sure everybody understands that. But I will say this. There is something interesting about a guy who's willing to do something different. I, I do think that that's an important point to make. Because if you want to be different, then you're going to have to be different. How many of you know there's a pattern of the world? Romans 12 teaches us, right? We talked about that at the beginning of the year. There's a pattern to the world. What the world wants, you don't want. I mean, you want it inside, but you have a different desire to live different, right? Because you're a believer, you're following God. If you're in Christ, you want, you want different things. And so there's a pattern that is working against the pattern of God. And so it is important for us to recognize that and to realize that, that if you want different, you're going to have to be different. Like you will look different to the world when you pray. How many know that looks different? You know, even if, and I'm, I'm not talking about like, I mean, you can pray out, you know, at, at, at a restaurant yeah, for sure. That's going to stand out. But I'm just talking about like you have a prayer life when you're praying for things, when you're believing for things. And someone's like going through their problems and you're like, hey, you know what, let me pray for you. And they're like, that's going to freak some people out. But you know what else, else is going to freak some people out? When you pray for them and they get healed. When you pray for them and they experience a miraculous provision. That's the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus brought online and that's what God wants to bring online through us as well. He wants to bring his kingdom. It's going to look a little different. You're going to look a little weird. Doesn't mean camel hair and insect diets but it will look different and it might just end up attracting people to Jesus because actually that's what John did. He's out in the wilderness. He's out in the desert and people are leaving the city to come see him. Look at this, verse five. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. It's crazy. People are coming en masse to come see him. Why? Because what they were doing wasn't working. The religious system was not working. It had failed them. It had been corrupted by the leadership. 
You had Pharisees and you had Sadducees, and they were making it all about rules. Pharisees were making it all about rules. Making, and again, it probably started from a good heart. They, they wanted to honor God, so they would have like, okay, this is the, we can't do this, so let's build another circle, and we're not going to do that. And then we're going to build a circle around that, and we're not going to do this. And then we're going to build another circle, and we're, we're not going to do that. We're not going to cross all these lines. And they made all of these rules, they made it oppressive to people. How many of you know religion can be oppressive? And, and you know what? We're, pretty, we're still pretty good at it, unfortunately, in Christianity. We, when we make rules that are not the rules of the Bible, we make all of these rules, it keeps people from God. And that's what the Pharisees were doing. Then the Sadducees were actually upcharging on the sacrificial system. So they're making money off of the sacrifices that people are bringing. I mean, the whole thing was corrupt, and it was all working against people experiencing God. And John is ticked. John the Baptist is upset. It's not working. It's failed the people. And these guys actually come out to hear him preach. So he's baptizing. People are confessing their sins. And then these Sadducees and Pharisees in their long robes, they come out looking all dignified. And watch this verse 7. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath. Do you know what a brood is? It's, it's like a, it's a bunch of baby snakes. So if you're looking for a biblical attack, you know, that is obviously backed by the Bible against somebody, just call them baby vipers, baby snakes, you know, criticism. And maybe even your employer, they won't know what it is, but you know, just call them baby snakes. You just, just try it. Just see, just try it. But you know what he's doing He's, he's saying, you're a baby snake, but who, who's, the, who's the big snake? Satan. He's like, you, you little devils. That's what he's saying. Why is he so harsh? Because these people are making it hard, or these Sadducees and Pharisees are making it hard for people to get to God. They're, they're pushing people away from God, and God does not want to oppress you. He wants to strengthen you. He doesn't want to push you down. He wants to lift you up. He didn't come to crush you. He came to save you. And he says to these religious people, what he's telling everybody else, look at this, verse 8, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. It's like, you religious people, don't think you're off the hook. You need to change too. And do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The ax is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. These guys, these Pharisees and Sadducees, they were trusting in themselves, their works, and their heritage to get them to God. And John's like, it ain't about that. It ain't about externals. It's always been about the heart. God is not after you putting on a religious show for him. He's after you passionately pursuing him and following, following, with him, following him with all of your heart. That's what God's always been about, and that's what he's about, and that's what John is getting us back, uh, back to. Look at this, verse 11. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. He says, Jesus is coming Jesus is going to, he's going to show up and he's going to change you. He's going to, the Holy Spirit, the one that was talked about in Ezekiel, who will change your heart and give you a new desire and help you live that thing out. 
that will lead to you frolicking like calves. He's here. Verse 12, his winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. When he shows up, he's going to clarify who's with him and who's not. And he's going he's to change our hearts. And then he shows up. And I don't know if it's in the same interaction, if it's all at once where you have the people and they're confessing sins and they're being baptized and then the Sadducees and Pharisees come out and then Jesus comes. I don't know if it's all at the same time, but Matthew lumps all of this together and I think he's doing it intentionally for us to see that Jesus is the way we change. Verse 13, then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I, no, I need to be baptized by you. And why, you come to me? Jesus replied, no, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. What a difference Jesus demonstrates. These religious people come with their pomp, their circumstance, their long flowing robes, their judgmental attitudes. And Jesus comes in humility and grace what a, what, a, what a difference. And the Father actually shows up to validate all of this. Verse 16, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, and at that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending. So now the Holy Spirit shows up. We have Jesus, the Father, the Holy Spirit descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my Son, whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. This is amazing. Matthew chapter 3 is teaching us so much. It's teaching us about what real change looks like. I want to give you three things today, all right? If you're taking notes, write this down. Real change looks like repentance. Real change is found in the Savior. And third, real change is powered by the Spirit. I just want to take a few moments together. I want to look, break these things down, and then we'll walk away better as a result. Before we do, though, find three people and say, hey, you need to change, but the good news is you can. Come on, find three people and tell them that. You need to change, but the good news is you can. The good news is you can. First thought, you can't, you can't not see this by looking at this passage. Real change looks like repentance. We don't like that word. We hear it and we shudder like the hyenas in the Lion King when they hear Mufasa. Ooh, say it again. <laughs> Except we don't want people to say it again. Telling someone to repent is highly offensive. And we don't offend people today. It's the worst thing you could ever do is by offending someone. <laughs> They're driving off a cliff. You just let them do it. Because <laughs> you might offend them if you tell them. They're driving off a cliff. We don't like that. We don't, we don't like repent. Because to repent means to accept responsibility. And accepting responsibility means accepting fault. And accepting fault means getting sued by the other party's attorneys. Right? Like, can, like see that. Like, we, we have this litigious culture that actually says, no, you can't, you can't, you can't ex uh, accept blame because if you do, they can sue you. 
So we have everybody trying to guard themselves and keep themselves like just away from everything and not taking blame and not accepting responsibility and not getting any progress, not getting any better. We, if we, if you see this in, in this example, they come and they repent. Jesus, John the Baptist is preaching this message of repentance. Repentance means saying, I'm sorry. Come on, everybody, let's just try that for a moment. Let's just try saying, I'm sorry on the count of three. One, two, three, I'm sorry. That was hard. That was hard. We don't like saying we're sorry. We'd, we'd rather blame somebody else. And here's the thing. I want to just, it's so biblical But do you know this is what we've been doing from the very beginning? Blaming everybody else for our own sin. What happens in the garden? When when, when Eden, yeah, Eden takes the fruit, Adam's right there, God shows up. It's like, Adam, what happened? I I told you, this is the one thing I told you not to do. And Adam's like, uh, you know, that woman you gave me, I'm just, I'm just saying. I mean, it's her and you. Y'all need to figure this out because I'm just innocent, just trying to find my way. This is all of us. This is all of us. We don't accept responsibility We can't say I'm sorry, and we don't make any progress. If you want to change, you got to start by saying I'm sorry. Real change means real repentance. Repentance means turning. It means you're going one way, and then you turn and go a different way. Say you're going your way, and you turn and you go Yahweh. Come on, somebody. That's a little bit like, oh, I was... I was so excited about that one. That's what, that's, what John, that's what John is preaching, and that's what these people are doing. Can you imagine this? They're coming out to the wilderness, and he's telling them, repent, the kingdom of God is near. And they start confessing their sins. They start confessing their sins. I mean, it's getting real out here. In the, they're getting baptized, and they're confessing their sins. I started thinking, like, what are they confessing? Probably same stuff, right? Anger, lust, greed, jealousy. Some are probably confessing gossip. You know, can you see it? You know, it's like, oh, I just, I need to get, I need to get this out. I, I gossiped about Tamar. She didn't invite me to her party, and it hurt. And so I gossiped about her, and so I want to say I'm sorry because I know that I shouldn't have done that, you know. And, and the reality is, Tamar, uh, she's always doing stuff like this, and, um, you know, <laughs> wasn't surprised when she didn't invite me. And so, um, so yeah, I started talking bad. About, oh, here I go again. I'm sorry. Here we, you know, it's like it's confessing this whole moment. They're confessing their sin, and it's something that we're not really good at today, and we're not good in evangelical circles. I think it's because we want, we want to perform. We understand holiness. We understand that we need to live 
lives that reflect God. And so what we end up doing is just act like we have all of our stuff together. And we don't admit it when we don't. And we don't confess it. And so what happens is the enemy gets his hooks into our life with addictions and habits that we can't break. And we act like everything's amazing on the outside. When inside our soul is being corrupted and we end up being Pharisees and John the Baptist would say, repent, confess that sin, get it, get it out so that it can't have hold on your life. Three, three ways we do this. Number one, confess to God. If you want to repent, confess to God. Step one. God, I'm sorry. I'm go, I was going my way, and I don't want to do that anymore. I want to I go your way. I want to follow you. I'm sorry. A lot, of times, a lot of times when we mess up, God is the last person we want to talk to. But he needs to be the first person we talk to. And we just need to get ourselves in that habit. Because once you start doing that, you'll start seeing that thing has less hold on you. God, I'm sorry. I don't want to do that. God, I'm sorry. I want to turn to you. God, I don't want to do that anymore. I want to talk like that. I want to act like that. Lord, I want to follow you. Confess to God. Second, confess to those we've wronged. Now, this is where it gets really hard. Some of us get really good at confessing to God, but we can't confess to those we've wronged. There's too much pride in our hearts. And pride, and, or, or we're afraid. We're afraid of what they're going to think. Pride and fear keep us from progress. They really do. But we have to, we have to admit it when, we, when we're wrong. We make mistakes. I had to do this Friday night. I was driving with my daughter. We went to go pick up some pizza. And the, the context for this, a little justification for my sin that I'm going to give you. Um, <laughs> context was a very long day. And my daughter had gotten in some makeup. And she put all this makeup on her face. And so we were going to have to go into the store with the pizza, and I wanted her, I wanted the people to see that she did have a parent. In fact, she does have a parent, doesn't want her to, like, make up all over her face, so I'm trying to clean up. She didn't like that. So we're already starting the trip in a negative sentiment, okay? And, and so she's crying, and then we get in the car, and the car's cold. It's too cold, and I'm like, I'm trying to heat it up. I'm like, I've got it all the way up, you know? And so I'm like, I'm getting it, and she's just screaming and crying and screaming and crying, and then I yelled, yeah, and I'm not talking like I didn't, I yelled full throat, just, and she got quiet. <laughs> Until I heard, <laughs> oh, and I, I started justifying it. I was like, well, if you wouldn't have done this, if you just, if you, is this been all, I'm sorry, Eden, I'm sorry. And I just had to say I'm sorry. I knew I was preaching about this this week. And uh, <laughs> and so I, I just, I reach back, I'm driving, I reach back, I grab her hand. At first she didn't want to hold my hand. I was like, I'm, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. I'm, I, I got angry and I don't want to be like that. And then eventually she let me hold her hand. And that's what we have to copy paste. That's what we have to do over and over and over again. If we want progress, we have, to, we have to act like that. We have to live like, we have to repent consistently. And then confess to accountability. I wanna encourage everybody to have somebody in your life that you can get real with, that you can tell everything, that you can be open and honest. 
and say, hey, here, here's everything. If you're worried about what they will think of you, then they're the wrong person for accountability. Find someone that can know you so you can get honest and open regularly. So real change starts with repentance. Real change is found in the Savior, secondly. I believe that Matthew includes Jesus' baptism in this narrative about change because he wants us to know who the one is that brings about change. It, it starts with repentance, but it's really not even rooted in you. It's always been rooted in God. It's always about God. It's not about us. It's about Jesus. If you want change, look to Jesus. If, if you want progress, look to Jesus. Pray to Jesus. Trust Jesus. Jesus is righteous. Jesus is holy. Jesus is worthy. In fact, John the Baptist is saying, I'm not even unworthy to take his shoes off. That's how worthy he is. He is worthy. And when you look to him and you trust him and your security is found in him and not in yourself, well, then you will start to make progress. You will start to realize change in your life. And you start, this, this, is, this is applying the gospel to our hearts. Where we say, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a sinner, but he's the savior. And I'm going to apply his goodness. And I'm going to be motivated by his goodness. And, w- and when I make progress, I'm going to give him the glory. Because it's not about me. It's all about him. That's real change. Because you don't want to be a Pharisee. You don't want to make some progress and then start trusting in yourself, start patting yourself on the back, be like, oh, look at me, I've prayed three days in a row. The enemy works in all kinds of stuff like that. He wants to puff you up. He wants you to think you're something when all we are are just servants of the most high God who is worthy. That's, That's where we need to be. So real change is found in the Savior. And when we do that, I love this. Guess what happens? The Father shows up and says, this is my Son who I am well pleased. Do you know that when your faith is in Jesus, the Father says that to you? It's beautiful. That when you put your faith in Christ, when you are in Christ, the Father looks at you, and you might not have had a good week, you, you might have had some thoughts that you shouldn't have thought, said some words you shouldn't have said, did some things you shouldn't have done. But when you're in Christ and you're turning away from that and you're turning to God, the Father looks at you and sees clean. He sees clean. He sees forgiven. He sees, he sees justified. And then real change is powered by the Spirit. The Trinity is that Jesus' baptism, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it symbolizes what Jesus is gonna do. In fact, next week we're gonna look at, he is, he is fueled by the Spirit and he's sent off into the wilderness to be tempted. He lives a life that is full of the Spirit. He walks on water, he heals, he heals the sick, he makes lame people walk again. Blind eyes are open and he shines God's light. He moves in power and he overcomes death, hell, and the grave. God wants to do the same thing for you. He wants you to live in power, full of the spirit, where you think different, where you live different, where you act different, not because of you, because of Christ, and by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the difference. 
It's not white knuckle change where you try to change yourself to where you look to God and God changes you. Ezekiel 36, remember this. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors and you will be my people and I will be your God. The spirit will do it. God wants to empower all of us to live different, amen? He wants to give you the, he wants to give you the model and he wants to give you the means, and he will if we'll look to him. So I'm going to ask everybody, let's take a moment, let's stand across this place, and I just want to invite God to come in and to help us with this. Great passage, Matthew chapter 3. Chapter 4, we're going to see how to think different, overcome temptation, but I believe that Matthew is putting these side by side to help us to live to, to, to live a different life, to help us to experience real change. And I don't know what the change is that you need to make today. But you, I know you know it. And, and if you don't, just ask your spouse because they'll tell you what change you need to make. But the reality is God wants to help us with the change. Maybe some of you, you're, maybe you came in today and you know, it's at the front. As soon as we start talking about this, you know exactly what you need to change. I want you to know this. God, God sees you, God cares, and God wants to help you. And God wants to come through and he wants to empower you. He wants to give you a different mind. This isn't just religious talk. This is the gospel. This is why we're here. This is why Jesus came. Not so that we go through motions and act like Pharisees or try to just act like we have all of our stuff together, but that we can be broken people that find healing as we look to a savior. That's what this is about, and that's what God wants. And so I want to take a moment. Can we just pray? Father, we just thank you. Thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you so much for the help that you give us. And God, we take just a few moments right now, and we just, we say, please help us. Help us to live different. We want, we want 2023 to be different than, than 2022. We want to be closer to you. We want to be more aware of who you are, more aware of what you're doing and what you're bringing about in our lives. Father, we pray that you would help us to live different. God, you see us. You know the things that we need to change. You know the things that we need to change. Help us, we pray. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to take a quick moment. And I want to ask you guys today, if you're here, and you've come into this place and you don't know Jesus, I, I want to just, I want to give an invitation to you to experience Jesus, not in a religious way, but in a relational way. Not where you memorize a bunch of things, have to go to class, and then, then you're in, but where by faith you say, I want you. I want you, Lord. I want to make a decision to follow Christ. Maybe for the first time or for the first time in a long time, the reality is what John the Baptist was preaching is that, that unless we are right with him, then all we have is judgment. All we have is judgment. But because of Jesus, we have the righteousness of Christ. And you can experience that if you put your faith in him. And that is real. That's as real as, as us being in this room right now. And if you're here today and you're saying, man, I need, I need Jesus. Maybe for the first time or for the first time in a long time, you're saying, I, I need to make a decision to follow Christ. I need to turn from the way I'm going and turn back to God. If that's you, God is welcoming you. He, he's he is op with open arms saying, come home. 
And if you're here today and you're saying, man, I need to make a decision. I just want to pray for you. And I want to believe God to do something powerful in your life. It can happen very fast. But if you're here today and you're saying, man, this is me. I need to make a decision for the first time or for the first time in a long time to follow Jesus and make him Lord of my life. Would you just slip up your hand all across this place and say, pray for me. I just want to see every person who would be responding. Just hold it up. Yep, that's awesome. Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. That's amazing. I see God. I see God sees it back here. Amazing. Over here. Awesome. I just want to take a moment. Let's pray for every person who's responding. Father, I thank you for the, for the gospel. I thank you for this, this powerful it's not an idea, it's truth, this powerful truth that when we put our faith in you, we trust in God that you, you cover us with the grace of God. And I pray that, that you would activate your spirit into our life and that, God, we would follow you. For every person who's responding to you, Lord, we just ask that, that, God, you would help them to make a decision, a powerful decision, a real decision, that this would be the, 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 the life change that they need found in you. And Father, we thank you for it. We give you praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we give the Lord praise for every person who raised their hand today? Just say, good job. Good job. We're, hey, just welcome. Welcome home. It's, 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 a, it's a beautiful relationship, and that's what it is. It's a relationship. Before we leave, I just want to take a few moments and pray. If you, uh, ask those to be praying for others to come down to the front. If you raise your hand, you want prayer. Uh, to make follow Christ, come on down. If you need healing in your body, healing in your marriage, healing in your life, come on down. We're just gonna take a few moments in worship before we rush into our, our days. Let's just take a few moments. Let's respond to God. Let's lift our hands. Father, we love you. And we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercies. We thank you for your kindness, Lord. We love you. And we give you praise for all of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship. <laughs>